It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We get into this week's top headlines on the recap. Voters across the country and here in New Hampshire going to the polls this week to decide who should represent them in Congress and at the State House. Here with me to go over Tuesday's results for the Granite State is NHPR's Josh Rogers. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Rick. Governor Sununu won re-election, which was expected. He's now the second person in modern New Hampshire history elected to serve a fourth term as governor. What do you expect in this next term, Josh? Well, it's going to be interesting uh, for the governor. He, um, in the wake of this election, in which he endorsed candidates like Don Bolduck, like Caroline Levitt, he's been quick to pivot away from supporting the sorts of politics that they represented, saying that people want leaders who can get things done and that uh, we don't want extreme candidates. That was certainly a turnabout from from what he was saying before the election. And he's also had some sort of tart words for former President Trump, saying he doesn't imagine that people are going to be eager to be you know, running alongside him potentially in 2024. Uh, you know, the governor says that his election shows that people respect his ability to manage. And we're going to see how he manages with a more narrowly divided uh, situation in Concord and without necessarily all the federal money that, that he's had broader license to spend than he would th- running through a strict budget process. I mean, the state budget's around the corner. It'll be interesting to see what he proposes. And it's going to be interesting to see how involved he gets in the, in the activities of the legislature. Traditionally, he's been sort of hands off. Um, getting things done there may take coalition building. It'll be interesting to see what sort of role he chooses to play in that. Okay. And it obviously will matter, too, what, what happens with House races uh, as, we, as we get into more results coming down the line here. Sure. I mean, I think we know that basically it's going to be an even split. Uh, Republicans may have a slight edge. There will be recall counts that could change that. So that means that getting things through the House, a lot of it's going to depend on uh, who happens to show up that day. It's, uh, you know, we've been operating with, with, you know, Republicans have had a pretty slim majority over the past two years. Um, You know, the effects of COVID on the operations of the legislature may have made it easier for them to remain united than it would have been otherwise. But this is going to be uh, interesting to see. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, Tuesday's results reflected New Hampshire's tradition of of split ticket voting with New News win and the reelection of the state's Democratic congressional delegation. Many political observers uh, expected the Senate and City One races to be tight, but Maggie Hassan and Chris Pappas really ended up with a, a very you know, decent lead ahead of their Republican challengers. What, what happened there? Well, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the polling obviously wasn't quite accurate, uh, didn't anticipate, I think, the heavy turnout that always helps Democrats in New Hampshire. And turnout was, you know, exceeded the projections of the Secretary of State's office. And, um, you know, issues like inflation were clearly on voters' minds, but uh, it appears that, that ab- abortion rights was also a motivating factor in terms of registering new voters and motivating people in uh, liberal-leaning parts of the state. You look at the you look at the results in some of the races on the seacoast and you know in parts of Carroll County where there are a lot of Democrats. I mean, the turnout turnout was high, and you know there was also the issue of candidate quality. I mean, Governor Sununu obviously had an easy ish re-election against Tom Sherman, but the other Republicans uh, didn't do so well. And, um, you know, you look at the, 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 the candidates of Democrats field, they may not be flashy in Maggie Hass and Chris Pappas and Annie Custer, but they are people who've won elections before. And Democrats uh, worked hard to paint Don Bolduc, Caroline Levitt, Bob Burns as extreme and out of touch on entitlement programs on abortion, on other areas and, you know, outside the mainstream and in a high turnout election, those aren't the kind of candidates that are going to win. And and that's what we had. And on paper, this was a tough environment for Democrats. And uh, all the federal candidates exceeded what the polling indicated they were going to do. It's, 
you know, an indictment of polling, perhaps, but mm. it, but, it, but it is interesting what happened. Yeah, the whole other conversation that I have about modern polling and, and what the future of that is. Now, Democratic Congresswoman Annie Custer also went against Republican Robert Burns. That that not really a, a huge surprise. No, I mean the the second congressional district is more liberal. Annie Custer is now with her win this week has been uh, elected six times in that district. So, you know, there wasn't much drama anticipated there. Um, you know, she was able to take a race, though, that Republicans hoped could be a referendum on Democrats and on Joe Biden and make it a choice. And that's one thing that, you know, Pappas and Hassan did as well. Republicans thought they could just run on the economy and on Joe Biden. And in, in all cases, Hassan, Pappas and Custer uh, exceeded well above President Biden's uh, apparent approval numbers. And, you know, maybe those numbers weren't quite accurate, but uh, I think it was an accomplishment for Democrats to do as well as they did. I think they surprised themselves a bit. They certainly surprised Republicans. So, Josh, New Hampshire's 400-member House looks like it'll be a close to an even split among Republicans and Democrats, with Republicans maintaining a slight majority. What could this actually look like in practice? Well, in the House, if if we end up right around a 200-200 split, it could mean that, you know, every bill is sort of potentially a jump ball absent a coalition uh, being built across party lines. So attendance will always be a factor. And also uh, the actions of committees and what product they actually choose to send to the floor uh, will be interesting. Obviously, the last two years under Republican leadership has shown a vast number of conservative policies passed on school choice, on abortion rights, on guns, pretty much across the board. What comes out of the legislature this year is going to be interesting to see. The budget is obviously going to be the big bill. It always is in the first year of the session. And what kind of budget people can coalesce around at a time of economic uncertainty uh, is going to be interesting. And so that's going to be a, the big thing to watch. In yeah. yeah. Does this mean that fewer major pieces of legislation could actually make it through the House? Uh, it could. Um, you know, these numbers could change the nature of, of, of what goes on in Concord. And it also, again, what Governor Sununu specifically wants to be involved in is it could be interesting to watch. I mean, one thing he mentioned during the late stages of the campaign is um, maybe coming up with a new school aid distribution formula. You know, there are two court cases out there that could force the state's hand in that regard, uh, school funding cases. You know, the governor talked about getting more involved with lawmakers. Um, you know, that's hard work in any circumstances when it comes to school funding. Um, a split in the House where it's evenly divided, uh, you know, could add to the complexity. There will be recounts in some of the local races and, and some results are, are still coming in. What are you keeping an eye on for this weekend, Josh? What, what are you looking for? Well, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, uh, in terms of this weekend, I mean, mainly, uh, you know, can the pile of leaves in my yard go away? But, uh, <laughs> but you know, moving forward, it will be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what final count we, we end up with. Um, either way, you know, the Senate stayed 1410. Um, we'll see where we end up in the House and, um, you know, on to January. All right. Good luck with those leaves, Josh. Thank you. That is an HBR senior political reporter, Josh Rogers. It is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with the New Hampshire News Recap. What questions do you have about what's going on in the state? You can always email us at voices at nhpr.org. NHPR's Mara Hoplamazian spent some time at the polls on Tuesday talking with voters and election workers. Mara joins us now in studio to talk about voter turnout and the voting process. Hello. Hi, Rick. So, Mara, which polling places were you at on Tuesday and, and what were you hearing from voters? Well, I made it to Windham, Londonderry, and Derry. Voters I talked to were excited to be turning out for the midterms. You know, lots of folks told me that voting was really important to them. 
Some were focused on the economy, others really focused on abortion, you know, a whole host of other issues. But the common thread was that they really made it a point to make sure they voted. Yeah. And of course, it did turn out that we had record turnout for a midterm. That's what the secretary of state was projecting. And when I talked to him after polls closed, he said, looks like looks like a record. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I know there was some trouble with with um, with with lines and traffic. I happen to be in Derry on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, just around two o'clock in the afternoon after the lunch rush before, um, you know, the evening commute. And I was stuck in traffic for half an hour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there was there were issues. Yeah. You know, when I showed up in Derry um, sort of after work for for many people around uh, 730, there was a huge traffic jam on the way into the polling place, mm-hmm. probably like similar to what you experienced. I ended up parking my car and walking in um, on my way. And I saw some voters who had to do the same. One woman I spoke with said she was waiting um, an hour and a half in her car and then just decided to park half a mile away and walk because, you know, it was important to her to get her vote in. Polls were scheduled to close in Derry at 8, but election officials ended up keeping them open, saying, you know, anyone who's in their car at 8 would be allowed to vote. Um, but in New Hampshire, voters aren't supposed to have to wait more than 20 minutes to vote. And because of that, the attorney general's office is getting involved. Um, the New Hampshire Bulletin reported yesterday. All right. We'll see what happens with that. I want to turn to uh, another subject that's on your beat, climate change, largely in the background as a campaign issue in the election. But a new report highlights that more local action on greenhouse gas emissions is necessary for the U.S. to meet its climate goals. So, Mara, tell us where New Hampshire stands in comparison to some of the other states in the region on climate action. Well, Rick, we're we're behind. In New England, all of the states except for New Hampshire have greenhouse gas emissions reduction goals that are mandated in state law. Um, That, you know, might make them more ready to accept the new pot of federal money that's available for climate action, as well as take some of their own actions like speeding up the transition to electric vehicles, adopting more renewable energy, um, you know, increasing energy efficiency in those states, which which you know, other states are already doing. This report um, says states taking actions like those would, would help the nation meet its climate goals. Basically, the the analysis shows that there's an 11% gap between the emissions reductions the U.S. is on track to hit by 2050 and the Biden administration's goal. And local action from states and cities and, and businesses is needed to fill that. Well, now that, now that Chris Sununu is, is going to be serving as New Hampshire's governor for a fourth term, where does he stand on, on the current dependence that we have here in the state on fossil fuels? Well, um, you know, Governor Sununu said a transition to clean energy is the long-term solution for New Hampshire, but he says that transition, you know, should happen slowly and carefully. Sununu has opposed a variety of efforts to support emissions reductions, including a regional initiative to reduce emissions in the transportation sector and also efforts to raise the state's renewable portfolio standard. And under his leadership, the Department of Energy has prioritized a technology-neutral and market-driven approach to energy policy, and their latest strategy says carbon-based fuels or fossil fuels are likely to remain the most prominent overall fuel type of New Hampshire's resource mix for decades. That's a quote. Um, and as the final makeup of the state legislature starts to take shape, you know, it's also good to pay attention to what's happening there. Some version of greenhouse gas emissions reductions goals has been in front of state lawmakers since at least 2018. But in the last legislative session, some state representatives said skepticism around climate science really kept the committees in charge of environment and energy policy from moving forward on that. Well, so it does remain uh, up in the air about what New Hampshire's legislature specifically might be doing about all of this. I know you'll be watching it, though, Mara. Thank you. For sure. Thanks, Rick. NHPR's Mara Hoplamazian. You can find a full breakdown of New Hampshire's election results on our website. That's at nhpr.org slash election results, all there in one page. And while you're there, we suggest you check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's a quick, fun, and informative way to test your knowledge of the week's news. 
You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening. It's fresh at nhpr.org slash quiz. And we're here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition on NHPR.